What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the RSS Podcast. Matt and David here. Got a good one. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. We're back. <laughs> We're back. We're back, and you it can feels, see us. It feels... Oh, yeah, that that is probably the biggest change, isn't it? Um, yeah. It feels like I ages since we've done one. Doing now. Yeah. I think funny how we're both wearing hats now all of a sudden, isn't it, David? <laughs> we both put hats. Quick on. answer of why that is. Oh, it's all flat. Oh, I've got hat silly. hair now. Oh, that's why we're wearing oh, a hat. Yeah. <laughs> I messaged my I messaged my barber yesterday. I was like, Prash. Oh, I need a haircut. Has a personal barber. That's what that's what kind of money the RSS podcast is bringing in. Is that is that it? <laughs> Wow. We got personal bot. Yeah, exactly. That he goes He's to David, comes back to me, then goes back to David. Oh, haircuts every week. <laughs> and that's why we're wearing hats. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, we'll start, we'll How start with... How's the new job? First week. It, it, first week. Do you know what? I won't lie. It is quite scary. I think it was my second day. It was quite scary thinking that I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. Like not not because of the place, but just the the fact that it's a full time job. I will now have two days off in a week and five days working in a week. It's it's still mind boggling to me how that's a thing. I know. I tried. I want to go back to uni. I was like, no. Yeah. Go back to uni. I know. I'm I'm thinking about Give all me the different forty days vacation. <laughs> I'm thinking Hayden did it right. I might start a completely new course. Do you think he's? Do you think he knows um, any engineering people keep, that will let me in? Just keep cycling through, getting in all the degrees in the world. Like, yeah, I just started an arts degree. <laughs> yeah. What business wouldn't take me again? Yeah, that's but, hilarious. Um, but yeah, I am enjoying it. It is really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. That's exciting. It was su- it was such a long time coming. Like it was it was in the pipeline for so long that I think you got it. Like when did you actually? When did they call you and said, "Yeah, we're offering you the job"? That must have been September. It yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, early September, I think it was. Um, yeah, that That's was uh, insane. <laughs> that was really funny. Um, really interesting. Um, quite uh, yeah, quite a long time. Um, I love being unemployed. You've got so much free time. Um, the only issue is you realize no money's coming in, so then you do have to become employed. Yeah, it's a tough. That's that's tough. Yeah. But no, that's awesome that it's going well. Look at us. You both... you got in actually to be fair, a pretty good time because you're gonna work for what three weeks and then have have like a week and a half off for Christmas. Smart man. Honestly, as as well, people that work in education have it good because you get no. you get all summer off. Don't it's you? such hard work, David. David, stop spreading That's lies. It's unreal. such hard work. I mean, I can't complain. I have, <laughs> I have a good, I have a good setup as well. But, but you get all summer off. That is unbelievable. To be fair, to be fair, I don't get all summer off because I'm part oh. of the gym. It's not part of the actual school, so commercial people oh. can use it. Yeah. So, bit right. of a dilemma there. So, um, actually, yeah. David, I am a hard worker. Um, He's a hard worker, folks. I am a hard Put worker. That on. Put that on the list. That's on my CV, hard worker. Let's uh, let's jump into sports news. What do go you on. got for us? Well, actually, what have I got? Up, you? What what have <laughs> Canada with sad times? Actually, we did predictions a couple of weeks ago, and both of my countries are out. I will have to say Can- though, Canada's not a surprise. I'm still proud of the boys. 
because this was the first time Canada got into this World Cup, maybe ever, or since like the 60s or something. So that's awesome. Obviously, you don't go to the World Cup to try to lose. They put up a good fight. I think Belgium, the Belgium game, I think, took it out of them. Because then yeah. the ones after that, you're probably not as strong showing as, as they wanted to. But that's huge, at least for Canadian men's soccer to get into the World Cup. Canadian women's soccer kills it. They're, they're really, really good on the Are world they? scene. But the men's, men's have struggled. So that, that's exciting. I think that's a huge step up. In a huge step in the right direction for them. There you um, go. Sorry. And and hopefully that just just to cut you in traction. Sorry. Just to cut you in. Fact check. Fact checker. Oh. Canada have oh. been in the World Cup 1986 and in 2022. But good luck. Good news, David. They'll be 1986. playing in 1986. 20... I got 86, 68. Yeah. <laughs> they'll be they'll be playing in the 2026 World Cup, and that that's when they'll bring it home. I think. Wait. Oh, but they don't have to qualify. I am so confused by that. I I am genuinely confused. Oh, that's because it's um, it's going to be in America, so they qualify as co-hosts. Lucky. Oh, Lucky. Sick. Nice. Stop that's it. the way to do it. That's their whole strategy, right? They're like, we'll get into the one before. We'll just like we'll ease pe- we'll ease in. People will be like, ah, oh, that's not good. Then we'll get automatic, so we won't have to play all of the like qualifying games, right? And then we'll just come in and just swipe everyone holding the holding the cards close to your chest aren't you take it home take it home to the north yeah and also germany's out now that what happened there i'll tell you what i watched the games yesterday um yeah well uh, yeah i watched the games yesterday so in order for spain to go through germany had to win so uh, you know thank you david for letting us go through but at half time, oh, against was... again, on their last game, but they were already kicked out at that point, didn't? No, no, no. They, they uh, I think they, yeah, yeah, yeah I think they oh, were. Yeah, no. Yeah. no, no, I think they were because it would have been um, Costa Rica because it was one nil Japan against Spain, then one nil Costa Rica against Germany, then half time here. Right. No, sorry, sorry, Germany were winning one nil. I've got that. Oh, I've messed this whole thing up. Spain were winning one nil against uh, Japan, and then Germany were winning one nil against Costa Rica. Half-time hits. Japan suddenly score two goals in concession. So that's 2-1 Japan. Then G- Germany start losing 2-1 to Costa Rica, which I thought was ridiculous. So that meant Spain and Germany were going to be knocked out of the World Cup. But luckily, right. the Germans, David, I think, gave a quick call to the captain, spoke to Thomas Muller and said, look, we need to keep Spain in. Right. My good friend Matthew is a good yeah. you know, podcast <laughs> friend of mine. We need to keep him in. Quick quick halftime. Yeah. At least, yeah. <laughs> at least one of the RSS. There you go, there you go. And he was doing all of that. And then he was like, we need one of the members of the RSS podcast still in the World Cup. So luckily, Germany managed to beat Costa Rica 4-2 and now Spain are, Spain are through. So thank you for that, David. Yeah, that's crazy. I guess Germany did have their reign, though, like a few World Cups ago, right? And now now they're kind of in the rebuild phase, I'm right? Am I wrong to say that? I mean, I remember the time when Germany beat Brazil 7-1. They were... That was the crazy. Absolute juggernauts on yeah. the world scene, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. But um, I think now it's time for rebuilding phase. Um, yeah. It all can... went downhill starting when we were playing England. I think it was in the semifinals of the Euros. Yeah. Was it last year or two years ago? And we were down, I think it was 2 1, and the captain was on a breakaway and hit the post. <laughs> I that can't remember that point. game. 
it's been oh. downhill since then. <laughs> been downhill, been downhill. Yeah. Um, and then England. I mean, I guess they just um, everyone thought could Wales do it, but they definitely could not do it. Um, they lost. I think three 0 wasn't it? Yeah, Marcus Rashford yeah, with so. a double from a free kick. So England through. Yeah, England through. Round of sixteen. Um, be it'll fun. be yeah, it'll be very interesting. I think we'll get another poll up. Um, get everyone on Instagram buzzing. Get the predictions in. Yeah. I put the prediction, you know, for England US. I thought big for game. It's gonna England, be amazing. US. I was like zero zero. Who's gonna win? Everyone's like voting, voting. I didn't put a, a draw as an option. Um, so I'll definitely... yeah, the amount of the amount of memes that came after that came after that was hilarious of like soccer's soccer no trust me soccer is such a good sport yeah. I love watching two teams do nothing for 90 minutes uh, the ridiculous. best sport in the world ridiculous <laughs> 90, pin, 90 minutes of my life gone um, that's hilarious yeah but yeah moving on uh, sports news slightly somber one yeah Doddy Weir um, passed away uh, last week. Uh, he was a legend on and off the pitch, as renowned for his top-class rugby career and as, as his pioneering and dedication in tackling motor neuron disease. He was a British and Irish Lion legend. He was a Scottish legend. Um, all of the sort of remarks made by his teammates, by his family, everyone saw him as a great guy. And some of the stories, you know, he just tackled motor neuron disease as he tackled in rugby. You know, it was dominant. He just he just kept moving. Nothing would stop him. Um, so it's, yeah, sad news that he's passed away. Um, yeah, if you do have any money lying around, it would be great to donate to his foundation, the Doddy Weir Foundation, and it will help others struggling with the, with this disease. Um, it was a sad, sad story in the rugby world, um, and he'll be sorely missed. Hmm. It, it's always so sad when you grow up watching these legends play and then they pass away. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's, it's such a strange feeling, isn't it? Because, you know, you sort of idolize these people and you sort of, you know, you're living with them, especially now in age with uh, social media and you get to be behind yeah. the scenes with them a lot. You're sort of getting to see more of their lives and you feel more part of it. So it is, it is incredibly sad when someone you look up to, um, you know, passes away. And with that, he did leave some great morals. You know, he, he found out that he had this disease, but he would stop at nothing in order to tackle mm -hmm. it. He would not let anyone sort of be stuck in a moment of despair. He would just get, pick them off, off, off from their feet and tackle the, tackle the next stage coming, you know? So it was, it was a great role model and a, a great influence for other people. Great morals to leave behind. Mm. On that somber note. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to topics of the day. Go on, I think you've written down the first one. Matt, I've written down both of them. That is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. No, nah, did you see this? I saw... I take... You know who the liver king is, right? If, if no one knows listening who the liver king is, go... Just type in Liver King on Instagram, YouTube, Google. You'll figure it out. But it's this, it's this guy who he, he preaches these nine tenants that is basically getting back to living, I don't know, like the Neanderthals, <laughs> basically. 
Like, you know, like he's running around bare feet, eating all this raw meat and stuff like that. Um, and he's like, if you go back to that, then you can basically get ripped is what he's saying and live an awesome life. And, and from that, he's selling all these supplements like liver oil and all these kind of different stuff. Like there's so many different companies that he has now and is making millions and millions of dollars. And the problem is he's always like, he's yoked. He's jacked. And he's always said that he's, that he's natural. Which ev- anyone with with any sort of you know sports science back nutritional background has been in the gym background knows he's not like he's shredded a hundred percent of the year. Yeah, and it, like you just can't get a physique like that without getting being on roids unless you're an absolute freak of nature. Do you know what I mean? But even um, even freak of but nature, he's like, his whole thing is like you're i'm natural i've never touched drugs and he said that so often and he's like no it's because of these things so buy these things and he's making money off of him off of it right and it's and it's just come out well it's just been like these these emails have been leaked that basically just gives a whole rundown of the tens of thousands of dollars he spends per month on 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 steroids and other and other PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. It's so easy to notice someone who's on performance enhancing drugs. Ped, peds. Um, you look at him and there's no ways. Like, say you're on a carnival diet. Say you're only eating, you know, bone marrow, liver, all of this, testicles. Um, there's, you know, there's no direct. You can't be that yoked. You can't just have. That much of amount of muscle, mass of muscle, <clears throat> sorry, muscle mass. He's, he's, well, he's saying that like if you if you stick to the nine tenants and the ancestral tenants, yeah, that yeah. you can increase your naturally occurring testosterone. And so basically, that way, that's why your testosterone's so high, and that that's why you can get just absolutely yoked. Yeah, and and but then being the devil's advocate. I like. I wonder how those emails got exposed, though. That's what I was thinking as well. Well, exactly. So this guy, this uh, more more plates, more dates. I think is his name. So he's a pretty well known uh, podcaster, YouTuber, like yeah. fitness guy. He made a video and basically said that these emails just showed up in his inbox, and it's just email after email of. Liver King, Brian Johnson, I think his actual name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of talking to some guy who's like the guy that he gets all the drugs from. And it's like, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I take. These are my goals. And it's just lists and emails after emails. And I was thinking, wait, so we're just going to believe that all these emails just <coughs> appeared in this guy's inbox with all of this information that's like going to yeah. be laid out like more plainly you know and so that's the other side of it it's like okay well i mean i don't i i don't disagree that the guy is on drugs he's absolutely on drugs yeah no question about it but how this like came about is pretty sketchy sketchy as well yeah and and but it makes for good news just another thing like i quickly put into youtube um because I, I you know i like testing the levels of bias um around yeah. the area and i put into youtube more plates more dates liver king 
and he's recently obviously he made one year uh, uh he made one video three days ago obviously exposing him with these emails but then he's also made a, a video on him a year ago another video on him nine months ago um another one four months ago another one on uh, one year ago again it's it's it, at what point do you keep targeting someone that you can fabricate an email? I'm not saying he did, but j just a constant videos. I'm not defending him. Um, I'm just trying to play, you know, the other side because I mean, have you seen? You can fabricate tweets now. You know, you can you can edit in oh, Photoshop so and make easy. tweets. So it's like, how easy is, is is it to make these emails? And then even if you put this video in, there's 20 other videos with all nine like 20,000 views, 1.4 million views, 638,000 yeah. views, 2.8 million views, all surrounding yeah. the Liver King lying and all of this because of these emails. But yeah, I just I just don't know how those emails would have been leaked because there's obviously as you know getting steroids from someone legit, there's obviously got to have a bit of confetti confidentiality. There you go, confidentiality. Nice. Um, so it's just it's strange that um. That it would have been leaked like that, especially something where you know you wouldn't want them to be leaked. So I just, I know, I'm not denying that he's not on anything because the boy is well, on actually, something. I just Whatever he's up on, his Instagram. I want. I, I just pulled up his Instagram. Yeah. And eight hours ago, he posted it posted a reel of him talking, but the caption says, "The caption says a real man knows when it's time to look in the mirror to start taking full accountability for his actions." I've neglected to model two of the most important values I preach, honor and integrity. Today, this changes. I owe you an apology. Link in bio. So, David, in breaking so that, news, um, I actually believe those emails. So I can now confirm those emails are true. <laughs> uh, forget everything I said. Um, no, I just, <laughs> I know. But it is, I think, I think it's good to talk about because, I mean, we get, we get, so much information and so much news every single day, every single second of every single day yeah. thrown at us. And I think it is important not to dismiss them and, and be, you know, that's not true. That's not true and not believe anything. But I think it's important to be critical and to, yeah. before you jump into something, this is true to digest it, take it in and maybe do a little bit of critical thinking of how reliable is this? Do a bit of your own research. Maybe. I think that's important. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, this Liver King guy is a bit of a fraud, you know. Yeah. Unlucky Brian. So many times, so many times that he wasn't on drugs. And and for and unfortunately it, it does affect a lot of people who don't come from a sports science background and really do believe him. Yeah. Um so I think I think being critical isn't a bad thing. Uh as long to a point obviously you know yeah i but. i mean like and it take a, it takes us back to i can't remember this a specific episode number but there was a episode that we did talking about how questioning raising questions and actually questioning your thoughts and what you see online is actually extremely important to not actually just Absolutely. instantly believe everything that's out there actually question it and you know on this one occasion i put, did a perfect example of questioning it obviously getting it wrong but now i can firmly believe what what's actually happened now that we've you've done the research on your half found out that the liver king has actually just ad basically admitted it um and that now that there's no bias surrounding it i what i've by questioning it i can finally find the truth and firmly believe that what's happened's happened instead of just believing something but not really understanding it and then just spurting it because yeah. then i'll get caught out myself 
um, and not hold myself accountable like the Liver King's doing now. So there you go. I mean, wow, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. I just don't get how those emails got leaked. Whoever leaked them, that's crazy. I know, I know. Some guy is not happy with them, and it was like, you know what? Boop. Yeah, yeah. Looky what I found. The eleven grand. He he spent over eleven grand yeah. a month. What was drugs. it? It was Russell Wilson. That's insane. Russell Wilson, um, the American football quarterback. Uh, I think he used to play for Seattle Seahawks. He spent like. Reportedly, he spent like $3 million in one year for like personal trainer, nutritionist, physiotherapist, massage, you know, taking care of that's his body. Wild. Um, I mean, obviously, that's half of what David and I spend on haircuts every week, but um, that's uh, <laughs> less to the no, point. No, man, we're sponsored. We get those for free. Yeah. RSS haircuts. <laughs> so that, would, yeah, just a quick, quick little news. Second one. Um... I saw this on LinkedIn and I thought this was really interesting. So Tim Gabbett, he is 20 years experience working in applied sports scientists with athletes, coaches from a wide range of sports, has a PhD in human physiology that he got in 2000. Uh, he completed a second PhD in applied science of professional football in 2011. He has two PhDs. That's ridiculous. Uh, with special reference to physical demands, injury prevention, skill acquisition. He's worked with common, Commonwealth Games athletes, Olympic athletes, uh, and continues to work as a sports scientist and coaching consultant for several high-performance teams around the world. So this guy knows, knows what's up. Like, he's no schmuck. Yeah. He, he posted something which I just caught my eye, and I'll, and I'll read about it. Well, no, I'll read it to you. Sorry. Um, it, the whole topic of, like, overtraining is huge nowadays especially in um, team sports and trying to figure out how to one what is load that how do you track it and what does it mean for injury prevention performance right can you prevent injuries to a certain extent i would say yes but that's a bit of a Pandora's box. It's like trying to predict performance. It's so multifactorial. Anyways, there's this whole thing about you know chronic load and injury risk and all this kind of stuff. And and he he put something up that says he said this. He said, "I've lost track of the times people have said to me, I'm not training harder. I'm training smarter. When I dig a little deeper, this invariably means managing athletes away from training and in many cases wrapping them in cotton wool so they won't break." But take a look at the graph on the right. There's a graph down there. We can put it up. This is real data from real athletes. Higher training loads are associated with lower injury risk. This is true. This is a true paradox because it goes against everything the textbook tells us. Training harder is training smarter. That's what he said. I mean, wh where do we even start? What's this about? Over. It's, it's about overtraining you know, acute load versus chronic load. So for those who aren't familiar with that, chronic load would be the accumulation of what you've done for, let's say, the last two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And then acute load is what you do on a daily basis or weekly basis. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there's, uh, it came out of cricket a few years ago where they, where they, where they, calculated this ratio this acute to chronic ratio 
So how how much you did today and how does that compare to what you've done on an average across the last four weeks? And if what you did today is higher by like 1.5 times than what than the average of your last four weeks, they show that increased your risk for injury. Um, and then you can use that obviously for like performance readiness and all that. And I just thought is is interesting because what he said that was very strong language that he used. Uh, so I thought, oh, it's like just see interested in in chatting a little bit about that is overtraining a myth, which is sort of what he's implying on on the post here. Um, what do you think about it? So do you have any any thoughts before we kind of dive into the paper? Yeah. So I think the first time I heard about Tim Gabbett being mentioned was when I was talking about central or peripheral fatigue. Um, and it's sort of the the dilemma between, I think he was discussing whether it's the heart or like your body stopping you from dying essentially or collapsing, or is it the mind that's controlling the whole nervous system and shuts down before you can get to the point of exhaustion? And that's right. the first one I heard about it when he was sort of um, prominent in the discussion surrounding that. And, um, and central always... fatigue, again, central fatigue being kind of your brain and spinal cord. Yeah. And then fatigue that happens in there for whatever reason, we won't get into that. And then peripheral fatigue being, you know, your distal neurons coming out of your spinal cord. The motor neurons. Including yeah. then your muscles. So whatever fatigue happens there. Yeah. Yeah, and he's always been a very outspoken person. Like he, he's not afraid to share his view on things, which is obviously it's great because it gets uh, the whole sport community talking. And um, I think, you know, a point I want to make is it's it is such a difficult dilemma because an athlete is such a multifactorial dilemma. Um, because as a coach, in order to manage the physiological stresses that are being imposed, you've got to also, you know, you want to reduce the risk of injury. So by doing that, you couldn't you can't only focus on the physiological sort of, you know, like the physical, physiological, the physical of a body. You can't, you got to also realize and take into fact the mental um, health of someone as well and the right. different stresses that can come. So it is, it is a very multifactorial dilemma with so many different areas to look at. Um, but he, he does raise a good point. Um, so I think we dive into his paper. Yeah. Well, what do you think about when he says, you know, when I dig a little deeper, this invariably means managing athletes away from training and this part, and in many cases, wrapping them in cotton wool so they won't break. Yeah. He's implying that athletes are soft. Yeah, I feel like. And that, uh, and that coaches are wrapping them up and being like, oh, don't train. Don't train too hard because we don't want to overtrain. It's difficult. And he's obviously got way more experience than I do. Oh. And so maybe he's seen, you know, <laughs> yeah. two PhDs. Yeah. That's all I'm, I'm just happy to be having gotten kicked out of my first one in the last first two months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what, yeah, just from your from your experience, what do you think about that? Because that's a pretty big statement. It is. A, it is a massive statement. But then I, I look at both sides because on one side, I feel like nowadays with, say, NBA players playing, you know, a game every three days, two days you know, traveling on planes to go to different locations, say rugby players having four, four weeks off a year when having to endure high impact forces week in, week out training. I think 
you do need to manage fatigue. You do need to wrap them in comfortable. And S&C nowadays, in, t- in some aspects, has become more of a job where you're trying to manage the athlete better in terms of boosting recovery instead of trying to boost, you know, beast them in the gym. You know, you're not trying to get them to hit their one rep max um, in on a Tuesday session right before game in, in a game week. You're trying to reduce the fatigue as much fatigue as possible after a game day on Saturday. So that you, through in the week on Tuesday, you're still trying to manage their fatigue. You're still not trying. You're trying to wrap them in cotton wool. But at the same time, I want to stress as well that you you can't just continue to wrap them in cotton wool because then they won't be able to endure the stress that's being imposed on them week in, week out. Do you get what I'm yeah. saying? I think I'm. Yeah. I hope I'm not like just going over myself a bit. I I want to stress that you you when you've got there needs in, to be a balance. Yeah. I the think you just is, need to find a happy that, medium. And maybe this is just because I don't have as much experience. Haven't worked with as many athletes as he has. Obviously, I've never met an athlete that I've had to tell to train harder. Mm. Like I don't I don't know. Have you? Like I've never met an athlete that I'm like, oh, actually, um, like, come on, let's go. Yeah. It's always like, I like, let's take it back. Like we had a massive week, you know, I've never met an athlete who doesn't want to train hard all the time. So that's why I read that. And I'm like, yeah. What? Um, but maybe he's not talking about, maybe he's not talking about coaches. So I just thought that was very strong language there. Um, yeah, so I just I just wanted to get into that with you. And then the other question I had just regarding to what he said was when he says training harder is training smarter. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's another big statement as well. It is a big straight statement. But I feel like the, the issue is he's put it in a very, very generalizing con- concept. So I know mm. some athletes that, um, you know, that aren't elite per se will, you know, they won't be training as hard. So they'll be like... Um, I mean, I've heard that before, obviously paraphrased, but I've heard it where an athlete's like, oh, I don't need to be um, going at eight, 90%. I can just go 60% because I'm just managing fatigue. Or they'll keep saying, you know, they've heard it from somewhere. Now they're going, oh, I'm just managing fatigue, managing load and all of that. And then <laughs> yeah. you're like, I don't yeah, want to I, overtrain. What? Yeah, yeah. But then at times you need to have that. I, I don't know. I might be wrong. As I said, as you said, perfectly, we're, we're not experts here. I've, I haven't even got a PhD. So um, I'm not trying to say I'm better than Tim Gabbert or any other SNC experienced SNC coaches out there. I'm just sharing my view on what I understand. And correct me if I'm wrong. I do believe you need to li- have a little bit of spike in um, a little spike uh, in, in load at times where say a little 90% won't hurt you on a short, on a short duration. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Without without proper stimulus, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, you yeah. do need to train hard. Um, what that means in terms of like a long term period, I'm not sure that always training harder yeah, yeah. is training smarter. Yeah, and and maybe that's not what he's saying here. It just sounds like he's implying you always have to train hard. Yeah, and so there's there's maybe we can pop it up either on the video or or have links to the paper. Um, but he said, you know, have a look. He said, have a look. He put all this graph. He said, have a look to on the graph on the right. Actually, it says as chronic workload increases, the injury risk decreases. And I and I read the paper that he put on. It's a good read and it has a lot of good points in it. But I don't think that paper really says what he says in that 
in the like in what he wrote on LinkedIn because mm. that graph. So on on the left graph, there's one graph that says acute, um, acute to chronic workload ratio. So that's what we talked about before, and it does say if you get to a point where your your acute workload, so the workload that you did today or yesterday or this week is one and a half times higher than what you've done as an average over the last four weeks. Usually that's what it is, I think. There's a danger, there's a risk, you increase risk because you have too much of a spike. And you need those spikes for sure. Um, but I think if when those spikes then in workload from one day to the next are long-term, without any reprieve from that, that's when it gets dangerous. And then he says, well, look at the graph on the right, which says as chronic yeah. workload increases, um, injury risk decreases. I, I mean, I would agree with that as well because you're building that base. But I think what's important to understand is that base is built over a long period of time. <laughs> you know, you don't go from from doing whatever let's say 50% to 100 or to 90% and you just maintain that, you know, for four weeks to build up that chronic workload. Like, that's, I think, a, a danger. <laughs> that's, I, you're going into a danger zone there. And I think that's maybe, maybe I'm just reading a bit too into what he, what he said in the little brief that he wrote on Instagram, uh, sorry, on LinkedIn. Um, uh, and, and maybe, you know, that's coming from a lot of experience with, like you said, maybe lower level athletes who actually could be working harder. Um, you know, I heard that at the gym the other day as well. Someone was like, oh, like, I'm not going to do this extra, this extra, this extra workout because I don't want to overtrain. Yeah. So, well, overtraining doesn't happen in a day. Like, eh. It's so difficult because I, I wrote down, like when I read his paper, I wrote down all the myths that um, he sort of wanted to display. And I think I'll go, yeah. I'll go through all of the myths. Like he said, myth one, load explains all injuries. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, yeah. And then Absolutely. like with that, he he found that, um, you know, like that, Oh, wow. Sorry, just trying to get everything that I'm thinking out there is so difficult. Basically, he used an example where athletes who slept fewer than eight hours per night were 1.2, 1.7 times greater risk of sporting injury than their counterparts who slept, who slept for eight hours or more. So right there, that shows that, you know, like, load isn't the only answer. There's so many difficult, like, as I said earlier, there's so many different dilemmas that an athlete will face Absolutely. not that load can explain an emotional one if i'm having you know during a week say on monday tuesday thursday friday i'm training hard like as in training hard but like hitting all the goals that is set out by the snc coach or the performance coach right I've, I've hit all of those goals and i'm hitting the speeds i need to during training i'm hitting the sort of effort i need to the rp i'm i need to at training on Wednesday, I have a terrible day. That might not be because uh, I haven't managed my fatigue well. It might just be because I've heard some bad news from someone, or you know, yeah. I've, I've had a, I slept terribly last night. Mm. That's why I'm not performing today, mm -hmm. and that's got nothing to do with fatigue or load that's being imposed yeah. on me. So I think right there yeah. that that says everything, and I think you can agree with that one that it's a bit absolutely. There's like in there's the external load, right, which is what you do. And then there's the internal load, which is how your body responds yeah. to what you do. 
And that internal load, like people have tried to find out a way to calculate it and to track it, but it's so difficult because because then you go into sports psychology, nutrition, what you've slept, how your stress is, what your what your drive into work was like, you know, what your home life is like. Yeah. And all that impacts, you know, how we store energy, how we use energy, what our nervous system is like. Is it prep for a high speed, yeah. high intensity day? Maybe not because of who knows? We almost got into a car crash yesterday. It's, you know? it's yeah, it's, it's like ridiculous. We only, we only have, so we have, we only have a finite amount of energy and resources to use over a day or a week or a month um, to go into training. Mm. Uh, yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the, the, the second myth, um, which is the 10% rule, um, that training load should not exceed 10% each week. In progression, yeah. Um, which I don't know what what it what, like. So I think I pulled this from here where it said, although rapid changes in training load increase the risk of injury, there is no ten percent rule. In a study of novice runners, a standard eight week training program was compared against an adapted graded thirteen week training program on the risk of sustaining a running related injury. Although training load increases were limited to ten percent per week in the intervention group. There were no differences in injury prevalence between the graded training program, which was 20%, um, 21% like increase of training load, yeah. and the standard training program. So they concluded that some individuals may tolerate weekly progressions around 20-25%, at least for a short period of time, but nothing more, because that's when more injuries would occur. So you could go all the yeah, way up so to 20 like to your 25%. Spike, your quick spike. In yeah. your acute crunch, in your acute workload, which yeah, what you yeah. need. Yeah, hundred percent. I found that one interesting as well because he said um, it. It he mentions there's no ten percent rule. Um, but then at the the end of that section, he says, in this respect, limiting training load increases to ten percent per week is at best a guideline. So he's not throwing it out. Yeah, he's just maybe changing. I'd love to sit down and ask him, or just to find out, even like where his, at where his mind was, like how his what he was thinking as he was writing this. Maybe he, maybe it came off of like talking to coaches that heard that, you know, because I've I've heard that when I was in in exercise prescription in my undergrad as well. But the way I was taught, it was like this is a guideline. And it's called the 10% rule because that's what somebody termed it at one point. But it's not, you know, a hard fast. Yeah. And I think is, and this goes for anything, especially in sports science, as soon as you have a hard, fast rule, it's bad news. Like, it, it's only bad news because, like, it's so multifactorial. Everything is so multifactorial, not only in sport, but in life, that you can't boil it down to one thing, right? And it's... And so you can't say, you know, this is the only way to do it. It just cuts, it cuts off any possibility for conversation around it, for relationship to be built and for, you know, discussion of maybe something else. And, and it's, it's going to hurt someone either mm. well, physically, psychologically, whatever. So as soon as you see that, I think it's bad news. So maybe he had this conversation with someone who was like, Oh no, it's only 10% rule. Like it's the rule that's only the way it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but absolutely. Like it's just interesting that he says it's not a rule, but then he brings it up and said, 
the ten percent obviously is a good. It's we shouldn't throw out that ten percent. I think it's just how do we define that and how do we talk about it? Yeah, it's it's like um, I think maybe what he's trying to say is that. You know, in, in, in sports and exercise science, my sports and exercise science course, when we did element, elements of strength and conditioning, we would go through things yeah. that, um, actually, no, the, a better example would be my sport and exercise science course, um, we would talk about different uh, sort of physiological processes within the human body. And I remember speaking to um, someone about these processes and uh, she would say that, um, oh, that's strange because she did a, a biochemistry course, biomedical course. Um, and she was like, oh, that's strange. That's, you know, that's wrong. Like when you look deeper into it, that's wrong. And I think what he's trying to do there is just 10% for the new people who really don't understand. So say you're doing SNC for, I don't know, an amateur team in a like low level league, uh, for cricket, then follow the 10% rule because you don't have the technology or equipment to understand it deeper. Whereas if you're say head of performance for an international or British swimming, for example, right? Or yeah. British athletics, right? There, you'd be able to look deeper into it and maybe actually have like twenty percent spikes because you can monitor monitor the load so much better, right. or monitor how the athlete's feeling so much better because you've got a nutritionist, because you've got a psychologist, because you've got all these different tools that will help you yeah. be more in control. If you get what mm. I'm get get where I'm coming yeah, from, so absolutely. maybe absolutely, yeah. Maybe that's what he's trying yeah. to do, but I'm not sure. Um, he'd be a great guest to have on, um, a great second guest. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's 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 I I and he I, and he goes, you know, he I think what how many miss were there six or something? There was five, there was or five. Six, five, five miss. Uh, and and I found most of them, you know, started off with this isn't true. Like there's no ten percent rule. And then he would kind of explain it at the end. He would kind of go back and say, this is a guideline, right? And so, and I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, in all of these things, you know, he's, he's the third myth, avoid spikes, spikes and troughs at all costs. Well, actually, we need that. We need spikes. We need troughs. We need rest days. So, so it's not, a, it's, you know, at all costs. Yeah, I would agree. We need them. But also, we don't need too much of them when we have to monitor and make sure that we, we don't have too much because we will overtrain. And in yeah. that point, training harder isn't smarter. Um, and then I think, same with myth four, that you know it says one and a half is the magic for the acute chronic workload ratio. Whereas if, if it goes higher than one and a half, you're going to get injured. And he's saying that you know, some people have a have a ratio of greater than one point five, and they don't get injured. Yeah. So, it it was just interesting because the what the the LinkedIn post was very strong. It could be a case and, of him and trying maybe to... that was and maybe that was just to get people to read the paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smart. And it worked. Yeah, look at us. I was like, what? <laughs> I read that. I was like, what? Smart, smart guy. He's been he doing this. Him. Yeah, he's, he's been doing this for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I tell it. you what, if anyone <laughs> hasn't read this paper already, I'll definitely have a look at it because I managed to bring yeah. in a couple pages of notes from what he said in there. And it's actually really interesting. It's actually made me a better, help me better understand what ACWR is and the acute mm -hmm. chronic workload ratio. Um, but yeah, definitely have a look at it. Even like, 
he talks about uh, there was another paper that I read which stemmed from this paper, which is a better way to determine the acute chronic workload ratio, Williams et al. 2016. And that one essentially says that the you know the the ACWR uh, may not be the best way to um, determine someone's acute chronic workload ratio by using the averages of say four weeks and then dividing it by the last week's training load. Maybe there's a better formula that you could use, which will take in some more of the multifactorial dilemmas. So have a look right. at that paper as well. I think we'll post both links on um, or both DOIs um, on uh, the Instagram or maybe. A, on youtube wherever this goes yeah we'll have to find out the best place to put put those because we definitely want to give you the resources if you want if yeah. you're interested in reading more um so that you also know we're just not spitting absolute garbage yeah out yeah yeah <laughs> fact check us be critical yeah i think you're right he got me it was it was you know you wanted to maybe make a point and have people read into it I think what I took out of this is is um is enforced enforce that idea of don't take everything at face value. Yeah. And and there's no absolutes. You can't look at things in an absolute. And I think that goes, you know, for even <laughs> <laughs> this is getting away from sports science. Maybe this is a bit too deep, but <laughs> but that's like in relationships as well, right? Like as soon as you say it's my way or the highway, this is the only way. It just shuts everything down. Yeah, yeah. Need you to know? compromise. There's no, there's no, there's no space for conversation. And I think <laughs> I think we're seeing that a little bit in what's happening in the World Cup as well. Yeah. Um, Wow, bringing Obviously. it to the World Cup. <laughs> I can't wait to hear where this <laughs> know, goes next. <laughs> but I'm shaking, man. I'm shaking. But no, like, you know, there's there's lots of controversy in the World Cup and, and obviously being in guitar, especially with, like, the LGBT community, right? And and I, 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 can't, I am so naive. Or not, I just, you know, I can't speak into that. But I think what I, what I want to say is what what I've seen, which is scary i think and unfortunate is when people have such strong views on either side of anything mm. not just that but anything that they just shut down and that they say this is the only way this is the right way and anything else is wrong and they don't allow themselves to be open to have conversation because all that's doing is is polarizing and and you know that shuts down there's no conversation there's no relationship and there's no way to understand each other or move forward and you know that goes for that that goes for this like don't say this is the only way say this is what i think let's have a conversation about it because the best the best thing that could happen there is you have a conversation you learn about the other person you hopefully gain a better respect for the other person and you can go away maybe even not agreeing with each other but having understood each other and building a positive relationship yeah perfectly said by the way david perfectly <laughs> i loved where this where, where that thought ended up i love it it was great <laughs> i was i was on a roller coaster there was some ups and downs but um oh, the, the yeah. ride, the ride as was, a whole was I amazing was... <laughs> yeah um, that was um, that yeah, was but, a great topic but... i'll tell you what that, that the way that was a great way to finish off as well 
um i really enjoyed actually when you posted this um and led me to actually reading all of this i I thoroughly enjoyed it and yeah you summarized it perfectly towards the end just allow both sides <laughs> to have conversations spark up for conversations spark up learning yeah yeah be open enough to have a conversation with someone who might not have the same view as you yeah amazing i'll tell you what david um, you know what time of the week it is i got quick fire questions ah I got quick fire questions for you. Uh, so this should be fun. Oh no. Right, oh, I got five. Oh, is this the pressure you feel every week? I don't like it. <laughs> it's going back <laughs> it's, to me next week. It's There's scary, no isn't it? Okay. Uh, building character. Building a character. Ferrari. Right, That's what I want for Christmas. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> That's the only question I have. <laughs> Scratch that out. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. Ready? Favorite day of the week? Monday. Kickstart the week. Cooking or cleaning? <laughs> cleaning. Love cleaning the gym. Cleaning. All right. What's your favorite drink? Cream soda from Sparletta, the <laughs> South African one. <laughs> oh, Sorry, wow, specific, fancy. specific. Most hated chore? Cleaning. Cleaning. That's <laughs> that's why I kept cooking. All right. No, or this this is funny. You have to either never wear a shirt or never wear shoes. Which one are you picking? Oh, um, Liver King's my boy, so I'm I'm both. <laughs> never wearing my no. shirt and shoes. <laughs> both. No shoes or shoes. I don't want any of them. Oh, that's hilarious. Liver King's king. <laughs> um, no, I'd I'd have to pick um, never wearing shoes. Never wearing shoes. Yeah, yeah. Just choose where you walk carefully. I guess, but man, your feet would get so cold. But imagine during but winter. I guess shirt, more surface area. Yeah. I don't know. I've got lean. Oh, can we go back to your favorite day, Monday? Got a kickstart. International chess day. <laughs> hey, that's every day, David. That's every day. Don't get that's that wrong. Um, I chose oh, Monday I mean. because it's if you're gonna hate monday then your rest of your week is ruined if you're going with that mindset it's not going to be a good week so you got to enjoy monday embrace the embrace uh, embrace wow. the start of the week i ah. thought i was going deep look at you <laughs> and that and, and let's take that to relationships job, David. So, um, embracing is. a relationship uh <laughs> <laughs> and that's why both sides and of the argument should be allowed our, uh, podcast yeah. <laughs> relationships <laughs> Tim Gabbett, what's his views on what's his views on relationships? But yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I actually enjoyed that. Now that it's over, that was great. Yeah, I saw that on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, this let's let's chat about this. That sounds fun. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank you for that, David. Lovely. Awesome. Great, Matt. Why don't you take us out? This has been the RSS podcast. We're out. Mm-hmm.